Welcome to the world of stand-up. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of stand-up. Look, I got to be real. I'm in a weird spot right now because I have some very important things that I want to talk about on this solo episode, but I got a little bit of a thorn in my side in that I've been talking about too much serious stuff for too long. Like, this is supposed to be kind of a fun show, and I've been talking about all this heavy shit, like dudes and the problems of masculinity facing and all that, and it's important for real, and I'm going to talk more about that today, but I guess I just wanted to start out this, this, this episode little more lighthearted. Um, it's a new year. I heard something about the new year that I wanted to present to you as viewers and listeners of the show to give you some insight. You know, there's a lot of people talking a lot of mess about those that want to, you know, use the new year as a start. And, you know, the whole new year, new me. And there's a bunch of noise and people talking shit saying, well, you're never going to do it. And they're just talking down. I know, I've never understood that energy because it's just so beta. <laughs> you're not an alpha, bro, if you're talking about how people are going to fail. Shame ain't sexy. Sorry. However, uh, I, I read this thing recently that made me understand why it's actually super difficult to stick with your guns on a new commitment at the new year. And it's not because you suck or that you don't have commitment for yourself. It's actually – now, dude, we're gonna, I, just this is a warning. We're going to get a little froofy here, okay? We're going to pour some universe juice into the glass, and we're going si- to sip on it, and we're going to talk about our feelings for a second, okay? So what I've heard is that uh, because of you know, the way that the planet rotates and the energies and the frequencies – and, dude, you're probably tuning out already. Like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Okay, so – We're talking about how, like, there's a certain sort of pull. Like, if you think about how the tide works, right? Like, the moon has its own gravity. And where the moon is in relation to the earth, it pulls and pushes water that creates the tide to come in and out, right? Well, as humans, we're made of water. And so we have things that affect us that way, even if we can't articulate why it's happening. Now, when you consider how the solstices work, where there's like the longest day of the year, the shortest day of the year, spring legitimately for a season, it's not just a season of renewal. Let me repeat that. Spring is not just a season of renewal. It's an actual like energetic restart towards newness, where it clears out a lot of the old and brings in the new. And if you think about it, that's actually when we should be doing all this New Year's stuff. Right now, we're in the dead of winter. It's cold. The, I'm, I'm here in Utah. It's, the weather sucks, bro. Like, the snow and the sky are the same color. Like, that's how lame it is, okay? So the idea of trying to get this whole new set of energy to commit, it's way bigger than just, you know, seeing yourself in an identity of being able to do that. There's forces working against you, man. Now, I'm not giving you excuses to be a victim here and to not keep your commitments by any means, but I'm giving you some insight on maybe it's a better way to forego having the new year be when you restart what you're doing for your life and have it be the spring. Because the stage is set in the spring for it to actually be easier and better for you to shed the old and embrace the new. When I heard that, like it just resonated inside of me. I'm like, bro, of course. We take this arbitrary day of January 1st. Like our calendar isn't even the same calendar as it is in other cultures, dude. Like 
Look at the Chinese calendar. Their new year is somewhere in February, I think. Don't quote me on that. I should have you fact check me, Con. Anyway, it's not even – so So we've decided to randomly have January 1st be the day that we're going to restart this because it's a new calendar year. Okay, that works. And for those hard asses out there like, no, bro, we're going to do this. It's all – like, cool, do your thing. But I'm saying I'm learning that if we're going to maximize our capacity to change – and to transform into something new, doesn't it make sense to make sure that the energetic environment to which you are doing so would support that change? Because right now in the middle of winter, it doesn't support shit, man. Like there's so much going on that is about hibernation, about slowing down, about allowing yourself to rest and recover. Like think about, <laughs> I'm bro, I am all over the place here, man. This is great. I'm not even high. Imagine if I was. Okay, so the, the Chinese New Year starts January 26th. So that's, I know it's just three weeks off, but whatever. My whole point is, uh, I lost my train of thought. So we're going to have another, oh, Bryce will have Alzheimer's in 30 years moment that we can look back on right now. Anyway, my whole point is, is that if you're going to make efforts to transform, use the energetic environment of what's happening in our world as a way to do it in a more effective way. That's all I'm saying. So don't, if you made commitments to yourself, you got to keep them. Like that's a part of like living your best life and becoming the best version of yourself. If you say you're going to do something, you got to do it. What I'm saying is maybe you don't even have to worry about new year's resolutions. You just say the spring is when I'm going to do that because the spring is literally and figuratively speaking an age of renewal. The trees are coming out. They're getting new leaves. Flowers are blooming. Why can't you bloom at the same time? Why can't you have a new commitment to a better self in the spring instead of judging yourself for the failure that you're receiving while you're in the middle of an environment that sucks during the winter? I don't know. I'm sure some of you are going to hear that and be like, that sounds like a bitch thing to do. Just stick to your guns, which, okay, that's fair. I get it. I get it. But one of the things that has led me to the place in my life that I'm at where I, and I feel like I'm doing pretty decent, is I'm always curious about new things. And so this is something that I'm curious about. Anyway, happy new year. This is the first episode of the new year. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> it's been an interesting couple weeks for me, man. I'll just share this as a personal thing. I, I've been sick. That's not true. I have been experiencing sickness. Like, I reject the idea that I am personally sick. I have been experiencing sickness. Again, dude, we're pouring all the universe juice all over the table here, man. Like, we're, words matter. Anyway, so I don't know what sort of head cold I was able to, uh, you know, catch. But it's, I haven't had these many extreme sim- symptoms of feeling sick, feeling congested, brain fog, Weakness, fever, all that in over a decade. And it's caused me to look at things a little bit differently. You know, one of the commitments that I've made to myself at the new year, the, the irony, bro, that I'm talking about a major commitment that I made at the new year while I'm saying, hey, wait to the spring. I decided to stop drinking. I made a commitment to myself that as of January 1st, I am 100% sober from alcohol. I will not be drinking alcohol in any near future moment. I started to understand that alcohol is quite literally a poison for your body. The idea that it's as popular as it is and it's so infused into our culture is truly a phenomenon. I also read somewhere that 
Alcohol is the nickname spirits. You guys have heard this, you know, hey, there's, we're going to have some spirits. Well, it got that nickname because of what it does to your body. It actually opens your spirit up to other influences that allow you to make decisions that are not in your best interest. And that actually, when you get to the point of blackout drinking and you can't remember that those are, whether you believe in spiritual phenomenon or not, those are spiritual influences that are taking you out of the presence of the moment because of the poison that you drank in alcohol. Now, as a sane person, when I hear that, I'm like, I have zero interest in that. But then when I remember how much fun I've had when I've been drunk, I'm like, that's a harder move. But I did it. I'd been, I'd been kind of toying with sobriety for the last several months, you know, periods of time where I'd stay and then I'd drink again and then I would stay and I'd drink. And I just got tired of it. I've realized to myself that I have some aspirations for a life that's way, way bigger than the one that I'm experiencing now. And when I looked at the behaviors and the habits that I have and the way that they affect me, I realized that one of the ways to accelerate the velocity of me towards those goals that I want is to remove alcohol from my life. It's been an interesting experience, though, and I'll explain why. So New Year's Eve, my wife and I went out. We had a great time. We went dancing, went to this big shindig party. It was a lot of fun. And the next day was the day I made that commitment. And I realized that if I was going to stay sober, it was going to take more than just me deciding that because I was fighting quite possibly an addiction to alcohol. That even though I don't consider myself an alcoholic, I could recognize that at certain times in my life, there was a pull towards alcohol that I wanted to drink. And most of the time, it fell into two categories that I would experience that. It was either that I was bored meaning that I would drink at home. It was nighttime. Nothing was really happening. The family was kind of winding down. I'd make a cocktail or two or three, listen to some good music, scroll the internet, whatever. And it just was a way to pass the time. Every time though, after that, I would find myself the next morning feeling shitty in my body. And as somebody that cares about my body and more importantly, that has had lots of health problems in my body in the past, that's not a very good idea <laughs> to keep doing that on a regular basis. But I did because I was, like I said, I think that there was legitimately some sort of addictive thing with my body craving alcohol. The other times that I would drink would be for social lubrication. Now, I wouldn't literally use alcohol as lube, but what I would do is I would use it as a way to like make it to where I would lighten up and I was a little more fun and a little more gregarious. And I got to be honest, man, a lot of the times in my life that I've gotten in trouble in party situations or in other people or said the wrong thing or had my intentions misinterpreted, alcohol inevitably was involved. So I'm looking at this go, if I could pull those two things out, it would leave a space in my life for more health, for more growth, for more enlightenment, for more consistency, for more excellence. I have a true desire to lead myself first. I can't lead men or my family or my business at all if I don't lead myself first. And so I took it upon myself to stop drinking alcohol. Now, here's the beautiful irony. Today is the recording of this. What's today's date? It's the 13th. And it's going to release next week. So, that, you know, I don't, it'll release what day? The 18th, 20th? I don't know. Friday the 13th. It's Friday the 13th we're recording this. It's the 18th. It'll release on Wednesday the 18th. Uh, today is pretty much the first day I've actually felt good in my body since I decided to quit drinking. Which kind of sucks, actually, if you think about it. Because it's like I make this great decision 
And all of a sudden I get this cold and it just wipes me out for close to two weeks. I went to lunch with a friend of mine yesterday, a really interesting guy by the name of Greg Anderson. He's a systems architect. He handles the back end for some of the most influential businesses and people in the United States. Very brilliant man. And he's actually been on this podcast before. You can go back and check out the Greg W. Anderson podcast where we talk about his journey to Mexico and being celibate for three years and all that. I went to lunch with him and I was telling him about my experience and he, he talked to me about this concept called ascension sickness. And it kind of blew me away. He said that essentially your body all the way down to a cellular level is 100% influenced by what you eat and drink. The things that you pull into your body make up the chemistry of your cells. So that means that if you are imbibing alcohol, you have toxins related to the, the drinking of alcohol that are embedded in your cells. If you eat horrible processed foods, same thing. If you allow anger and stress to be in there, that causes a traumatic response on a cellular level to your body. And when you make a decision to ascend away from that and out of those behaviors, like I've chosen to do with alcohol, your body has to release those toxins. It has to shed that trauma on a cellular level. And what happens is it basically makes you sick. When he told me this, it made perfect sense. Because here's the reality. I haven't had issues with anything on this level for a long, long time. If I ever get the sniffles or something, it's usually for a day or two. It doesn't knock me out. I do the things to keep myself to where my energy levels are good and my vitality feels great. I exercise on a regular basis. I drink at least a gallon of water every day. I make sure that the majority of the foods that I eat are wholesome foods. And so the idea that I would be this sick for this long or experiencing this much sickness for this song kind of baffled me. It pissed me off, actually. But to think that there was more going on below the surface makes sense. Well, last night as I was getting ready for bed, I was putting my watch on my nightstand and sitting there, plugging my phone in, getting ready to get to bed. And I just had this moment where I stood there and I took a deep breath in and I felt really happy. And I hadn't felt that level of like content happiness in a long time. And it, in a way, confirmed that there was something to this sort of ascension sickness that my friend Greg had referred to, that there was something that I was releasing. And as I continue to get more and more healthy, that my vitality and my vibrancy in my body, in my appearance, in my energy, will continue to raise and to vibrate at a higher level. How fucking cool is that? I am looking at this going, it, 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 it connected ideas to me that were just really kind of just floating close to each other, but it's making it so like I'm really seeing connection on certain things when it comes to my behavior, my thoughts, my habits, my willingness to allow certain things into my life. And that there's going to be an adjustment period when you do that as, as you ascend out of it. But it's better. Anyway, I think that's pretty dang cool. You know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about today was um, my last podcast was actually a solo episode as well. And it was the one where I talked about my experience with the Ascend Brotherhood there in California. And I talked about the needs of men and how we don't compete, how there's uh, societally, there's a lot of gaslighting relating to what men really are 
I am a firm believer that toxic masculinity does not exist. If you are having a toxic experience with something masculine, it has nothing to do with the masculinity itself. It has to do with the person. There are lots of assholes in this world, but they're not, and just because they might have masculine traits does not mean that masculinity itself is toxic. I do not believe those two things are inherently connected. But yet here we are in a world that portrays this. You hear famous actresses talking about how they don't like having to deal with toxic masculinity. You hear single women talking about how they want the sensitive guy and they want the guy that cares about their feelings and they don't want all the bravado, but at the same time, the nice guys never win. So what's the truth? Well, as I shared in that last episode, there's some things that came to my mind about that that were really important to acknowledge. And that is that as men, we need to be better about surrounding ourselves with other powerful men. We need to have brotherhoods. The, 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 the tribe had a place in society for giving men somewhere to go, a container, if you will, to connect, to compete, to have a reward system, to have a purpose, And then from that place, they could go forward into their life outside of the tribe, outside of the brotherhood, and achieve at a high level. It used to be that tribes were required for us to survive. They're not required for us to survive anymore, but they are required for us to thrive. And as I put out all that content, I did a lot of it on Instagram, some of it on TikTok. I had a lot of response from people saying, thank you for saying this. Thank you for taking a stand and standing up for men. Very few people are willing to stand up for men nowadays. I had brothers reach out to me and said, oh, you wouldn't believe what I'm having to deal with. This is what's going on in my marriage. This is what's going on with my ex. This is what's going on as I try to be a good dad to my kids. There was a, a, an assault being waged on these men, and they were willing to share with me their experiences. And it humbled me. And I realized as somewhat... as I realized as somebody that is able to see things differently than most, that for the first time, I have a responsibility to stand up even more and to lead even more. This idea, it came to me, and I I was thinking about these challenges, and I thought, well, what what is really the problem that's happening for men nowadays? What are they really struggling with? And three words came to me. Sense of self. It's not just a man problem, it's a people problem. But it plagues men strongly that individuals lack a sense of self. They don't know who they are. They don't know why it's okay for them to be themselves. They don't understand their inherent God-given worthiness to achieve the desires of their heart. They don't understand that the needs that they have for connection and for validation are valid and that it is not just okay, but it is required for them to be addressed and met those needs for them to succeed at the levels they want. Our sense of self in humanity is tweaked right now. And so I started thinking, well, how do we fix this? Because I don't want to just sit on camera or behind a microphone and talk about it. That seems trite. Focusing on the problem all the time doesn't fix the problem. 
it actually heightens the problem because all we're doing is focusing on the ills and the challenges that are there. So what I want to do is I want to focus on the solution. We know what the problems are. We know how men are disconnected. We know how people are disconnected. We know how women are being encouraged to be masculine in ways that rob them of their femininity. We know that men are being asked to do things that are completely outside of their nature that actually robs them of their sense of self. We're trying to minimize our need for competition. We try to minimize our need to go hunt, literally and figuratively. We need to be winning, and we need to be surrounded by men and people that push us to want to win more, and that gives us opportunities to lose. There's so much losing going on for the sake of losing, but when you can lose for the sake of learning because you're winning when you're not losing, I want you to listen to that again. If that didn't make sense, go back and rewind it. It'll make perfect sense. We need to be winning, but we're not always going to win. But when we lose, we need to understand what we're doing when we're losing instead of just having a culture of being a bunch of losers that are disconnected, that are alone, that don't feel seen, that don't achieve. We're a bunch of beta cucks at that point. And we don't have time for that. The world needs strong male leadership. The world needs strong leadership, period, not just by men. But men have a special calling to protect, to provide, to preside. We can't do that if we're not winning and getting the support that we need. And so I made a list and I started breaking down some of the challenges that we face and what the answers to those challenges are so that as men, we can be better. Not just out of a desire to be better, but it can legitimately be easier for us to step into our greatness. I want you to consider that. I want you to consider the challenges that you face right now in your life. Man or woman, it doesn't matter. If you're watching this, I want you to consider the challenges that you're facing in your life. What if you, personally, were stronger? What if you were more willing and able to see the vision of where it is that you need to go in every aspect? What if you then felt the strength and the empowerment to put foot in front of the other, take the steps necessary, and finally go get that life? What if that was easier? What if you didn't feel like each step was in the mud? Imagine how much easier it would be for you to dream of an even better life for yourself. Or worse, Dream for the first time what might be possible for you. See, that ease comes when you do a few things. The solutions to these problems come down to a mindset, a shift in your awareness, your self-awareness, how you see yourself. One of the very first things that you have to recognize if you want to have a better life and you want to embrace your own greatness and you want to take those hints that there's more for you and those feelings of, oh, I want more, is you have to first and foremost understand that you are a creator. That every aspect of your life, you on some level have created it. You've either created it through choice or through apathy. If you don't do anything, you're still creating it's kind of like a non-denominational church, still a denomination of religion, even though they call it non-denominational. If you aren't doing something actively, if you have apathy, you're still by default creating a result for your life. 
You have to embrace the reality and the absolute truth that you are a creator. And for my religious friends and my friends that care about God and about making sure that you fall in line with what's best and right, I want you to consider one of the first things that Jesus Christ ever did. In the scriptures, we're encouraged to be like unto Jesus Christ. Well, what was the first thing that he did on record? He created his world, earth. He was a part, he was known as Jehovah in the Old Testament. He created the earth. First thing he did. The Son of God, first command, created the earth. He was a creator. So if we are to be like unto Jesus, as the scriptures say, that means that our first and foremost responsibility and calling is to create our world. Now, would God give us that if the resources weren't available for us to do it? Of course not. And that's wherein we have to recognize that not only are we a creator, we have access to everything we need to do that. Now, sometimes that access requires us to be involved in things like brotherhood, where we get an energetic reciprocation of love and acceptance by other humans and by other people. But we are even responsible to create that by making the phone call, by sending the text, by going to the event, by putting ourselves in motion so that we can have that be a part of our creative experience. The other thing you have to be willing to do is to shift up how you see yourself in relationship to your mistakes. It's very easy to judge ourselves. We do it a lot. We make a mistake. We do something stupid. We don't do something that we think we should have. We're in constant judgment of what we should have done. As they jokingly say, we should all over ourselves. We don't have to do that. I was encouraged by a mentor of mine to shift that up. We were having a discussion about something that I had done that I was, I was extremely embarrassed for because it did not even remotely represent me as a person. And I felt terrible about the mistake that I had made. I had hurt people. There was a consequence, a line of consequences for all of the to reconcile this mistake, it was a big deal. And I was judging myself for it. I know you've had that too. You've made mistakes, you judge yourself, you go, oh, why did I do that? I was encouraged then to flip the script instead of judging myself, because let's think about it. Judgment doesn't provide any sort of growth or healing. If you are really honest with yourself about your experience of judgment, it's a con it's a con it contracts. When you judge, it contracts. It becomes definite. You are deciding an outcome. Your judgment, like a gavel in a courtroom, <clears throat> this is what it is. It's small, it's minimizing, it's constrictive. But curiosity is expansive. And so I was encouraged to be curious. When I find myself engaging in behavior that I don't like, that I feel embarrassed by, that I look at as maybe even a sin, to be curious as to why I would do it. And not curious in the way of like, well, Satan made me do it, but curious as to what 
tickers had to fall in the line that took me to that place where I made that decision that was not in my best interest. Because nobody ever makes decisions and takes actions totally out of their best interest. They get something back. They're doing it for a reason. Whether it be fun or exciting or validating or pleasurable, you're doing it for a reason, but it comes with this dragon's tail of consequence on the end of it, to which is what causes the judgment, the self-judgment. So remove that from the equation and be curious. Ask yourself, why would I do that? But not from a place of judgment. Why would I have done that? What lined up for me that made that decision the one easiest to make? Let's be honest. That's why we make dumb moves, because they're easiest to make. And we get something out of it in the moment. So in order for you to be able to really come to that place where you are living in a higher, sta- a higher standard of living, when you're shedding bad habits and, and bad thoughts and bad experiences and you're surrounding yourself with better people, you have to be willing to lead yourself in curiosity for why your behavior has been what it's been. Removing judgment. Because like I said, judgment doesn't serve. It doesn't help. It's constrictive. It's finite. <laughs> so you got to be curious. So when you understand that you are a creator and that you have the resource to create your world. And then when you look at the mistakes you made and you come from a place of curiosity, what you're going to receive is a bunch of feedback. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll be able to look at that feedback and go, I could actually fix this. I understand why I did this now. These are the things that were lacking in my life that made that the move, that made that be... I think I'll get something that will help me in this moment. Consider that. That's a really empowering idea. Because if you can understand on a core, loving, self-accepting level with curiosity why you behave the way that you do, it's in that place that you can change it. Make sense? The last thing that I wanted, there's a whole bunch of these things we can talk about, for, but for this episode, I'm going to wrap it up with this. With this, You have to be willing to love your life. You have to be willing to be a fan of yourself and to cheer yourself on. You have to be willing to look at your life and go, man, I've got it good. Even the most difficult days wrought with trauma and destruction and loneliness, you still have blessings. You still have amazing things to which you can be grateful for, that you can love. I mean, you woke up today. You won the lottery. I know it's cheesy to say that, but you did. That's a big deal. And if you're in the first world, you have access to luxuries and resources and technology that only a small percentage of the world do. So even if you lost your job and your wife's a bitch and you're dealing with all sorts of shit, you're still blessed. And so you have to look at your life with love and you have to love your life. There was a phrase 
I, I heard it first from uh, Ed Milet. When he talks about the dance between ambition and wanting more and the requirement to achieve more of being grateful and loving what you have now. This phrase is blissfully dissatisfied. I implore you to be blissfully dissatisfied, to look at your life with bliss. Be like, man, I've got a good here. I've got a good here. Count your blessings, name them one by one, that whole thing. But reach further. It's okay to be blissfully dissatisfied, to want more while being so thankful for everything you have. And truthfully, in order to really embody blissful dissatisfaction, it requires the things that I've shared. You've got to be a creator. You've got to be willing to look at yourself with curiosity and your behaviors. And you've got to love your life. I think that's it for today, folks. I promise you that uh, we'll have some more interviews coming. I've got some really interesting people that will be on the show here in the next little bit. But I'm grateful for this, this episode and the last episode where I've been able to talk about some issues that are important to me. And I will share this plug here. I've decided to start what's called Sense of Self Coaching Group. In the near future, you're going to see an offer from me to be associated with me in a community where we're going to work on these things directly so that if you're having troubles within your understanding of your needs in masculinity or in femininity and you're wanting a higher level of achievement in your life and you're needing support and friendship and more joy, I'm creating a community that would allow that to you. So just stay tuned for that. But my intention with you and sharing this message is not only that you understand more fully your sense of self, that you're willing to let go of your judgment, forgive yourself and be curious as to what led you here to this point where you've struggled. So there it is. My friends, appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the show. If anything in this episode resonated, please share it to keep the conversation going. Uh, please leave me a five-star rating and review. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, whatever you got. Just screenshot the show tag me at at Bryce Prescott on Instagram if you do that it helps me to know that I'm hitting the mark when you share with me your feedback even if you don't like it even if you think I'm full of shit tell me that too because at least then we're able to engage and have a dialogue and I can with curiosity wonder interesting how is it that they arrived at that idea I want to learn anyway friends Bryce Prescott stand up and uh See you later.